Welcome back to another episode of Import Sports. Uh, we're in week three of the NFL preseason. We're game three of the Ashes, and we're back at the Greenwood Hotel. I've got Simon Childs, Corey Easley, myself, Matt Rodriguez, and helping us produce is Kip Crosby. Unfortunately, no uh, relation to Sidney Crosby, as if it, <laughs> If he was related to him, I'd probably punch him out myself. <laughs> uh, so we've had a very, it's, today we're recording on Sunday the 25th, which is Saturday the 24th in the U.S., and news feeds have been flying, fantasy drafts have been thrown in complete disarray with announcements, injuries, and going on in the first week, and it's brutal. Today, Andrew Luck announced he's retiring from football. I drafted last night, and somebody drafted Andrew Luck thinking this is his comeback season <laughs> and has completely gotten torched. Um, it, it sucked. I mean, like, in all honesty, I feel for the kid. I, didn't, I understand what he's going through. Um, a lacerated kidney will do that to you, I guess. Yeah. But how do you get back in the game? Yeah, um, yeah I guess um, Andrew Luck... You know, he's always been the intellectual guy. You know, he's he went to Stanford, he graduated, he's got an engineering degree. Um, like, he doesn't, you know, necessarily need football. Um, and the list of injuries is ridiculous. I mean, um, he did have a good year last year. Um, but, I mean, this is on the Colts organization, I think. I mean, Absolutely. this goes into, you know, Ryan Grigson, the GM there for – the longest time I saw a stat today, drafted three offensive linemen before the seventh round. His whole wow. time with the Colts, like, and this guy is just taking hit after hit after hit after hit. Yeah, it takes a toll mentally, physically, and yeah, like, good on him for doing what's best for him. Um, but yeah, it's a brutal, it's a brutal knock for the league and for the Colts. Well, when you don't have an offensive line, you can't establish the run. You can't establish the run. You start getting behind in games, and you've got to throw. You've got to go air raid, and so. It opens luck up to a a porous line, and he's never been the most mobile quarterback in the league. Well, he so, liked to run. Yeah, he did he like run. to run, but he Wasn't was he quicker than Tebow in his uh, forty yard. He might have been. Yeah, I think he, he was quicker been. than Tebow, and actually, uh, well, just some stats for you. He's torn cartilage in two ribs. He had a partially torn abdomen which also I think it was in conjunction with a lacerated kidney that left him out and peeing blood. Uh, he's had at least one concussion and any NFL player probably had at more, least, more yeah. concussions than that. It's just what's been reported. And he, it is, what was it, two years ago, he tore his labrum in his shoulder and yep. that put him out for another season. And this all off season we've been talking about, his, this mis mystery injury is it a piece of bone an extra bone in his foot is it a calf sprain is it an ankle sprain what are the implications for him and i i say good on him for coming to terms with what's happened but you you do have to feel for a 29 year old kid and let's be honest he is he's a kid in, in lack yeah. of better terms that's his career done that's a lot of injuries. You can see why I said mentally it's taken a toll on him to spend your whole time in rehab, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Corey, have you ever had, like, a career-threatening that injury? Well, I tore my ACL, um, which 
these days you can come back from, but it does, you know, put the whole timeline of what you do in the off season um, and how you get better. And then even at a more monumental scale, like the NFL, like the pressure of, you know, leading a franchise and all that, like, and he's just not healthy. He said today, like he's, his body's not getting ready. And that might be yeah. even like a mental thing there. Like he's not buying into what he wants to do. But that was more what I was going to come back to is that, you, so you had a, you've torn your ACL and um, we were talking beforehand, Simon, he's getting, currently getting injections <laughs> for, for injuries just to make his body feel better to play the next um, season for Gridiron West. And I mean, I've, I have four pins in my neck and after a neck surgery from playing hockey and there's a confidence level that comes into, you know, when you're playing and you're healthy or you're playing and you can play through injury, it's a totally different scenario in your head. You don't think twice about taking that extra step and maybe putting your body on the line. You're not, you may not have pulled up as short and driven the lane thinking that you're not fearing that your knee's going to go out. Yeah. Yeah. When you have that hesitation, when you have, when you start second guessing yourself, that lack of confidence just, I think puts you into, puts you into a new realm of barriers that if you can't get past that, you're, you're almost better saying, look, I'm out. Like, that's it. Yeah. You've always got the thing, especially when you're coming back from injuries of, there's that initial, when you first get back out there, I, torn MCL and I went to my first game of a cricket season back home having not bowled off more than three steps and the first game of the season I'm running in off my full run up of like 20 paces yeah. at full speed and I'd not had a chance to test it out yet mainly because of weather and it was the UK so it rained the whole <laughs> time but yeah so I literally had to run into this game and there's that moment where this is my landing leg like all 10 times your body weight goes through your front leg and I'm thinking the last time I tried to run up my MCL had been okay and now I'm slamming way through it and it just it's in yeah. your head yeah. it's so hard to overcome it is and I you know look if we also discussed that the Colts own his contract for another three years so if he does decide to come back he's got a place at the Colts um, but in other injury news we've got Lamar Miller who's torn his ACL and that is his season done. Yeah, it's a it's a brutal blow for the Texans. Lamar Miller, as much as you know, fantasy people love or hate him, mostly hate. Yeah, um, he's he's been you know just steady. He's like your prototypical like average running back that can do everything. He's a workhorse. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can give him you know 15, 20 touches. He picks up blitz protections. Um, he does everything he needs to do. He's the you know ultimate professional in that way. Yeah, but it makes the pickup of Duke Johnson that much more. It doesn't seem like a why did they do that now? Yeah, I mean we did have they had some questions in their backfield, but it looked like Lamar Miller was definitely going to be taking the bulk of the carries, so it wasn't really that big of an issue. Um, but it it puts way more weight back onto onto Duke to step up and be the guy out of he came from Cleveland. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. To be the guy that he really, that that people expect him to be after he got drafted. Yeah, I think, I don't think Duke's going to get more than he would have gotten anyway. I think he's still due for 10 to 15 touches a game. They're just going to have to find someone else. So whether that's, you know, Carlos Hyde didn't play today. 
That's yep. usually a telltale sign that, you know, they're either going to try to trade or cut you. Um, he didn't play at all, which is weird. Um, so there's going to be a bunch of guys out there that yeah. um, have, are going to be cut. They do have quite a few rookies on their squad right now. Uh, I don't know if they're ready to just say, okay, you're the guy and you can, you know, be the backup or whatever. But, or they make a trade. They don't have a GM, so that's an issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Well, so Corey's currently doing a draft as we record. <laughs> uh, I've, Kip and I had a draft this morning. I had a draft last night. I've got one more next weekend. And then we have our group, our uh, import sports draft coming up. We we discussed a couple of times that there is not the depth that running back or should I say elite running backs, yeah. guys that you can rely on scoring you 15 to 25 points week in, week out, outside really the second round? Yeah, After it that, would be less than that. I would say it's less than 10 guys. Yeah, so I mean, it it really makes you, you're having to take some flyers and really sort of reach for guys that you think are going to be backups or think guys that you think could maybe win a committee race. Yeah, yeah. and that's when PPR becomes important. Hey, Looking yeah. at pass catchers and guys that might get, you know, their their ceilings a little bit, or their, sorry, their floor's a little bit higher, their ceiling's not as high maybe. Yeah. So, you know, those weeks when you just need, you know, eight points from your RB2. Our, our draft today <laughs> was actually a standard league, and it kills me because yeah, it's, it's like you're basically relying on guys that can get that are going to score. Yeah. yeah, you get four points from uh, 40 yards receiving. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Um, and last season, I actually got sort of done in, in the same league. In, at that time, it was an only an eight-man league. This year, it's a 12-man league. So there's even the fewer thinking. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had uh, Leonard Fournette. He went down. I had Joe Mixon. He went down. And they were touchdown-dependent. They were the touchdown-dependent running backs that I could rely on. And the next thing I knew, I was having to stream <laughs> running backs week to week and hope for the best. Uh, I think it'll. I think the first two weeks of the NFL and especially the fantasy implications are going to be really interesting. Um, then you know you have. Can the Colts rely on Jacoby Brissett? We've discussed this once or twice before, but now it's not a, what if it's. Of what is, do you think Jacoby Brissett can put the back, put the team on his back? <laughs> can or will? Yeah. Um, obviously, I think he could, but we, we haven't seen it, so it's hard to say. I think I don't think he's going to be Andrew Luck. Yeah, it's a big loss. They're not yeah. going to be able to replace what they've got with Luck. No. They're, um, they're now going to have to look at it and be like, oh. They're I've, definitely going to have to think they're going to have this year is going to be a evaluation year for him yep. obviously and then they can reassess next year but I mean he still might be the second best quarterback in the division that's, <laughs> I mean we're talking about the AFC South that's, well, not, I, I, that's what I'm saying but yeah. still it's like so I mean you got Mariota and you got um, Nick Foles so I mean I had those out of those guys I mean you never I think I'm happy with Jacoby Brissett at that, at that point. Yeah, yeah I'll give you that. So I still think they're capable of winning, you know, nine games and winning division. Um, um, in our earlier podcast, I said I had Texans, so that's even looking even better now. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, um, 
some people got on that. I, I think that that's looking like a, a real winner, and I'm actually hopefully the odds haven't changed too much. I'm yeah, they're, they're definitely gonna be changed. Um, yeah. With with that being said, though, when you if you're going into a draft at the end of this week, or you know if you're you're not draft, you're not drafting Brissett unless you're in two. No, 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 that actually wasn't gonna be my question. My question is is if you're gonna draft the week before the regular season of the NFL hits do you trust do you pick up a Colts receiver in the first six rounds yes yeah who you, you still go with Hilton yeah you still got Hilton he's gonna be that person that the set can actually align because he is like a go to guy yeah. he's your veteran receiver like he's gonna get fed yeah, yeah. he's gonna know that T.Y. Hilton's the guy that I need to feed so even if it's to the detriment of the team <laughs> He's still going to get fed. Yeah. Do you think Eric Ebron becomes a legitimate tight end choice, or do you still kind of leave him in that mid? He was never a legitimate tight end (laughs) choice for me, um, because Doyle plays a lot. Um, And I could see them, you know, even having, you know, both of those guys out there even more this year. But even last year, I believe Ebron came off the field when Doyle was on the field. So um, I think I think I I stay away from tight ends. That team. Yeah. He's had injury problems as well, like for Avon staying fit as well. Well, he's like a hundred, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's um. If he can stay fit, that'd help him. But yeah, I uh, we in the draft I did today, we weren't touching any of the any of the Colts receivers. It without knowing really what's happening there, you know, who the other backup could be moving forward. Because yeah. now they now they need to go out and find. Well, they have Chad Kelly. Which is, it's uh, just yeah. A <laughs> I, I think you answered that one real quick. Yeah. So they got to go out and find somebody else. And then the most reliable old timer backup has already been picked up in McCallum. Yeah, so yeah, it so looked like really good. Him up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, maybe they'll trade for Hoyer. Patriots yeah. give him another quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Caps still free agent. Just say. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. might have shaved the fro, but I mean. <laughs> You know, I don't no, know. I don't think Indianapolis is that is that place. <laughs> I, I definitely don't think that Kaepernick is going to fit the demographic there. Um, in all seriousness, I'd be actually worried for his safety. <laughs> yes. if he went to Middle America <laughs> expecting to be welcomed with open arms. Uh, so I don't know. I I think the preseason week three is has been a serious blow. Oh, we so, didn't yeah. even talk about the. Probably, if none of this other injuries would happen, the absolute joke of the Raiders-Packers game. I don't know if you guys heard about this. No, so they played in Winnipeg. Because, oh, I did hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Because they weren't sure where the Raiders are going to play this season. So they were yeah. like, oh, this is your preseason game, but just in case you can't play at the Coliseum, um, we'll, we'll move it to Winnipeg. So they go to Winnipeg, and the field apparently was just in – like disarray. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they ended up having to play on a 80 I, yard field. No oh. kickoffs. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Everybody starts on the 20 yard line, which is really like the 10. <laughs> yeah, well, John Gruden was like, we didn't have a problem with the field. Ask those guys over there. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Packers ended up just taking all the guys that they were going to play, 33 guys. So 33 starters that we're going to play. Like, yeah. They planned on playing their starters. Yeah. 33 guys that were like, nah, you guys aren't playing it. So just imagine 
yeah. if you're the, one of the other guys, like, oh, my life doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and, and for those that those of you that might be geographically challenged, I mean, I the only reason I know where Winnipeg is is because I'm a hockey fan. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's like it's right up there with Calgary, and Calgary is like in the middle of the high desert of Canada. It's Winnipeg is like Frustrated. literally east, <laughs> almost directly due east of Calgary. Um, it's, there's nothing to do there. So could you imagine flying from, you know, Wisconsin's not so bad, but flying Oakland. from Oakland yeah. to play literally a two-thirds of a game? Yeah. That's, I think these sort of things just seem to follow the Raiders, don't they? Like, you sign... Actually, follow the Packers, Packers, because wasn't it the Packers who were supposed to play on the Hall of Fame game when the field was too hard? The paint, they used the wrong paint? Oh, yeah, they might have been, yeah. That was two years ago for the Hall of Fame game. It's I actually think it's a Packers preseason like curse now. <laughs> if if it, if there's a Madden curse, then I'm I'm gonna trademark this now that this is the Packers preseason curse. <laughs> They're gonna have some effed up preseason game that just makes the entire NFL look stupid. Yeah, and the Raiders have just had non-stop stuff the whole time through preseason with signing AB to his feet of blizzard. Now he won't wear a helmet, and did he? Did he find a compliant helmet? He was no. He's redo. He's challenging it again. Oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> get over he, it. I Andy. forget what he's. Um, he's saying that he should get the year to grandfather this one yes. in, like everyone else got, because this one is within the ten years. Ten years. So yeah. now he should get another year with it. So is he plan on playing one more year and then whinging about it? Like, yeah. Apparently he was on eBay asking for like a shut, <laughs> an old shut helmet. Um, Asking if anyone had one, they could send it to him. In fairness, you would be going, yeah, I'm charging you so much for it. Here you go. <laughs> like, well, so Gibbs just, just pulled up the stat line that we should have an outcome for this this week coming. So we yeah, have yeah. four preseason. Yeah. And that'll be that'll be it. Like, whatever is said at this stage, there's no more challenges. There's no more. Yeah. So if depending on what comes out of it, AB could be playing. He may not be. Yeah, like surely when you're AB, you, he could have approached a helmet manufacturer. And look, I'm struggling. Like, like got something custom made. Like when you're totally, and that that's and while he's bitching and moaning about wanting to get an extra year of grandfather rule, you had last year to get this sorted. Yeah. We we discussed this again two or three times previous. Tom Brady did it. And then come playoffs when he was complaining that he really couldn't see, he went back to the old shut. He played the playoffs in the old helmet, knowing full well that he was going to have to be in a speed flex this season. Yeah. And, like, in fairness, when you try... The vision is not that much impaired from trying the, all these new different style helmets. We're, we'd probably be talking about maybe a field division of 3% on either yeah. side. We, I think we well, need to start talking about uh, Antonio Brown's mental health. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. I mean... Yeah, he's got full diva at the moment with it when you're oh, moaning man. about your helmet. Really we were crazy. talking in our fantasy draft last night. Like, even just him and the little, like, Shaka earring thing. Like, that pissed me off in the first um, hard, knocks. hard knocks. Yeah. Just him just going around with it. and But he, he did seem off. Like, he doesn't seem... Apparently, that's the way he's been for a while. What, since the... Uh, the Bengals playoff game? Is that what you're... Oh, no, I'm not saying that. But I mean, that's possibility. Because that's the theory, is that there was the Vontez perfect hit where he got concussed. I don't think he actually got pulled out of the game because it was playoffs. 
Um, the Steelers actually went on to win that game, so they probably, again, dumbed down the side effects and didn't want to put him on the IR or the injury report that, that week because he wouldn't be able to play again. And now with the NFL, because that was, what, three years ago? Yeah. Four years ago. Yeah. Four, yeah. Um, you know, back they hadn't quite changed their rule on how you report injuries that the actual medical team from the NFL um, weren't jumping onto the field to say, nope, you got hit in the head. You need to go and get inspected properly. I, because Vontez Perfect is, was not a small guy and he was never known for his clean hits. <laughs> his niceness. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting theory. Whether or not you buy it in, that's that's your own choice. But it's CTE is real, and he Antonio Brown. There's something something missing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steelers must be laughing now. They're just thinking. This is just comedy. Oh yeah, they yeah. they have to be loving it, <laughs> yeah. and I think everybody in the in the AFC West is loving the fact that uh, Melvin Gordon is looking more and more likely to not be playing football this season. He just doesn't have any leverage though, so I think at some point he's gonna want to come back to get that season accrued. Yep. Um, so whether that's you know okay so you obviously know this more better than i do and i meant to look into it this week and i didn't and i apologize for that considering it's now kind of a job for us but so if he sits out this season he doesn't accrue that extra season on his rookie contract and so he's putting himself in the same position next season if he holds up correct correct um that just means they can they have him for another year to play his fourth season yeah the same year that he would be doing now yeah yeah he doesn't get that extra yeah, that just puts his timeline farther and farther back. So I think he has to come back before. Uh, I don't want to speculate, but I want, I want. It's definitely before week ten. I think. Is it not like week eight? I think with Lev Bell stuff, they were like saying he's going to be back by a lot of week eight for it to count as. I actually think season. it's week ten. Like it's, week 10. it's ludicrously late in the season because yeah. um, was it Marshawn Lynch at one stage had to do something similar. He came back late. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he just doesn't have the leverage, so I just don't see him doing it um, because he wants to, obviously he wants to be let go and wants a contract, so he's going to have to get the season in. And earlier this week, we also heard that Ezekiel Elliott has been offered to be paid, become the second highest paid running back in the league behind Todd Gurley. And Which everyone knows is the worst contract, might be the worst contract in the league right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just puts proof to putting that, you know, whether or not it's worth paying running back's top dollar. Yeah. We understand he wants to set the bar, but give me your takes on, we, we know that he turned it down, but do you think he's going to possibly hold out for most of the season as well? I can see him coming back. I don't think he'll hold out. I can see him coming back, especially if they are. I, I see him coming back like week three, week four. Yeah, he came out and there was complaints about like, Joey made that joke, didn't he, during the week? Yeah. The lad Zeke who, and he was like, all in good jets, like Zeke knows. I have, then, I have the right to yeah. Yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. But good old Jerry. on the other side of the coin, the Cowboys front office and their top brass are actually saying that Talks are progressing. They are optimistic, although we heard the same thing with Melvin Gordon a few times as well, that they are going to get a deal done before the season. 
Um, I, I just think it's absurd. And especially we discussed last week Dak Prescott thinking he's worth $40 million when he is definitely not a $40 million QB. He, he kind of walked that back, I think. Did um, he? Yeah. Kind of walked that back. Or, you know, he was just more discussing the quarterback market, per se. Yeah. Um, not necessarily that he wanted $40 million. Um, so, yeah. I, I do think that he's going to get, you know, 30 something million dollars a year. So Yeah, and I, you know, I agree with that. that. Um, Kibbs also hit me with the fact that, so Zeke has been seen flying in and out of Cabo. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's a Cabo guy right now. Yeah, but he's training with Marshall Falk, apparently. Nice. Which Draft him. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, let's yeah. go. <laughs> well, I I had picked four last night. Zeke was the best player on the board, and I I went past him for David Johnson. And last season, I didn't want I didn't want to bar David Johnson. <laughs> uh, but, All times change. Yeah, when you when you don't have another option, uh, yeah, I had to go best on board. But you know, he I think he's doing more for his I think Zeke is doing more for his stock value by continuing to train and being seen training yeah which I think would lend us to believe or lend us to assume that he's planning to come back yeah I mean he's not making rap videos and driving jet skis <laughs> pouring crystal <laughs> in his trip <laughs> but you know there's but we haven't also heard that he may or may not be going you know any, it's anybody's guess as to whether or not he's going to Cabo Wabo or uh, Senor Frogs to have a good time, time every night either. Yeah. Um, I think that's... Is that anything else that we need well, to touch on in the NFL? Another injury, Cam Newton. Oh, yeah. yeah. foot spring. Yeah. Yeah. Should, optimistically, uh, what did they say? What was the Obviously, word? week one, they reckon he could be back. Yeah. yeah, I don't see that. No, I think he'll be back. Not week play. one. Yes, week one. You reckon? It's a, it's a sprain. It looks yeah. pretty bad, though. What well, foot's it on, though? Like, if that's... If you're... If that's, that's your plant your, foot. that's your plant foot, you've got to get your body out to throw on it, like... And he... It's, it's not... Like, he's not a small guy. I mean, no. he's... He's 6'5"? Six, yeah. 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, yeah. six, and, like, 200 stupid pounds. <laughs> and, like, he is not a small QB, so you're putting a ton of pressure on that His instinct, point. as well, will be, like, Run. breaking down like use my feet like make the play it's hard for a guy that's a running QB to switch that off in his head and go I'm a bit dinged up I'm just gonna check down yeah I'm yeah. gonna check out or yeah. I'm just gonna McCaffrey literally put him in your DFS yeah. line <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna live to fight another day he's gonna think oh I've got a lane like it's and that part for you've got to try and throw onto it like it's yeah it's hard yeah I I think what's more worrying for Cam Newton though is his fashion sense, with that headscarf, <laughs> white overalls, Ooh, no shirt, and another a hot take from that. <laughs> <laughs> that says Brandon. No, uh, we've been joking around for years, and uh, the fantasy draft that I did last night that we should do a Cam Newton op shop chic <laughs> draft party. <laughs> you see Tom Brady wore a hat too. Do you think he was trolling um, Cam there a little bit? A lot, little bit, a little <laughs> lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I think it's a it's a strong blow to the um, to the Panthers, but he'll even if they, he's not back for week one. Yeah, it's, it's we're not talking season; we're talking 
couple nah. of weeks. So, um, in the background right now, we've actually got the ashes on as well because last week we had to unfortunately rely on Kip to give us score updates rather than actually watch it live. Um, and yeah. right now it's, let's go back to day, was it day one or day two? So day one was all Aussies, right? Yes. Well, no, day one was England. There was a bit of rain, delayed starts. England That's bowled right. them out pretty quickly. And um, well, they Archer, picked up. They picked up the pace. Um, the Aussies did in the second half of their batting order because it looked, it yeah. looked like they were going to collapse. So next to nothing. They were 179 all out. Um, and Warner actually dug in and got some runs for the first time in the series. Well, he has to, and he actually. Yeah, really and I think there was pressure on him because I'd like feeling sorry for Bancroft got left out of the team to bring in Harris. Bancroft yep. had looked more solid than Warner so far. Yeah. Um, obviously, Warner's the senior player, but also loves to convince junior players to put sandpaper in their pockets. It wasn't um, his pocket, mate. That was a joke. Yeah, and uh, they bought they brought in Marcus Harris, who again only got eight runs. In fairness, the top order were all on the. Receiving end of Jafar Archer's sixfer, which was great to watch. Yeah, literally, he's the only guy that seems to go out there and make all of the Australian team look like they can't bat. Apart from Labuschagne, who's literally coming to cover for Smith, and when Smith's back, should probably keep his spot, and someone like Kawaja could probably go, because again, Kawaja did nothing, and yeah. then England went out to bat at day two in Headingley. Headingley is a place where if there's any cloud cover and rain, it's known to be extremely hard to bat on because the ball moves sideways quite a lot. But this was worse than ever. Yeah, this was bad. Like when you know there's lateral movement, you've got to just be aware of it and you put your shots away and you just try and bat time. Yeah. Like Labuschagne did for Australia because he passed 129 balls for his 74. So shows how you've got to bat on a pitch like that. And Roy still can't get a run Root in fairness got an unbelievably good ball to get rid of him Stokes chased a wide one like a lot of the guys were getting out just playing really poor shot choices and to get bowled out for 67 the lowest score in how many years? Uh, a long time but it was a like it shows that when you're chasing 179 like all you've got to do is at least get to 150 like yeah and then today would be a really competitive day and England would be back in their chances um, because they knew that day three, the sun was coming out. Yeah. And Headingley is actually a good pitch to bat on when the sun comes out, yeah. which you can see at the moment and at the end of the sort of day there, Labshane got 18 second innings, 187 balls again. So he's taking his time and showing you how he's, you've got a bat in test match cricket. Um, Australia going to get 246 in the second innings and England are really having to battle now to get 359 because this is a day for winner is this, this day, is day three, three day four, four. day right. four um, but like the sun's out and Stokes is basically batting at the pace that the rest of the England team should have been going and at 194 well he's currently faced 86 balls and only had 13 runs but in fairness for test so. match cricket this is this is what you need to do um You've got a bat time and like work the bowlers into the ground. These Australian bowlers don't want to be out there for a day and a half in the field. No, um, I mean they they definitely want to try to make quick work of what they have left today. And I think the the weather was going to be good yesterday and today. So all you wanted to do was make the opposition team 
have to field and bowl in that weather. But so. going going back to uh, day two, lowest score since 1907 yeah. in the Ashes. That's... I think from there, it's just highlighted the, the problems that England have had for a while with their batting. They're very fragile. Yeah. So, Joe Root, you normally bat your best bat number four. All the other best bats for each team in the world bat four. Ours has to bat three because there's no one to step up. They've experimented with Jason Roy in red ball cricket and it's just shown it's not worked. Yeah. His technique is not based for the long format. Um, and I think England's best bet is to probably bring in a couple of other people and rearrange their team a bit just to solidify there's guys like Balance in county cricket um, who is the only guy who's constantly racking up runs and still has an average of over 40 in test match cricket Yeah, he did have a stage where he was struggling but compared to the guys that are in there now at least you know a guy like that at that time which is what England are really struggling with at the moment Bairstow's been a bit of a prima donna bats where he wants Drops a catch yesterday, so there's talk of folks coming in as a wicketkeeper for him because at least he bats time. So, but you guys have had, I mean, you guys have lost four wickets today, and really you've got, you guys have to sort of maintain yeah, so these two batters for a little while to get into day five. You know, you're not hopefully gonna, play for a draw. Yeah, you know, you're probably not going to bat today five. Stokes and Bairstow both have capabilities to get big test match hundreds and they need them to to get them here because Butler's looked out of form as well. But they're both gingers. I mean, they, they can't be good for them to be out in the sun. Oh, uh, yeah. In fairness, you'd say that to Bairstow, but I wouldn't <laughs> say anything to Stokes. Um, but, but just just <laughs> some quick some quick hits for you. Some fun stats from that first innings. Joe, is it Denley? Joe Denley, yeah. He was the highest scorer for the first inning for yep. the English. 12 runs. Yeah. that's it's When someone's highest score is 12, Lowest that's not good. top score in English history. Yeah. It was... England have collapsed before Headingley in the first innings. That They normally somehow managed to dig in and just get past it. That was just brutal to watch. But then the Australians also set a first for themselves. It's the lowest... Lowest... What is it? Uh... Lowest first inning totals to result in a hundred plus first innings lead. Yeah, it was. It's massively highlighted England weaknesses at the moment, which they they need to rectify. They they rectified their problems with their bowling, bringing Archer in, and he's shown that he's what their team needed. Yeah, to change it up and give them an extra dynamic. What they need to do now is just find guys that can bat time, which they're just really struggling with, and it's. Yeah, it's tough to watch being English. Hate seeing the Aussies do well. Um, but because if the Aussies win this, they this win match, this, all England can do is draw the series. Yeah. Um, which means Australia keep the Ashes because they were the last team to outright win it. Yeah. Um, England would not want to lose a series. And I think in the next test, there's got to be a few tough decisions made with guys that aren't getting runs getting dropped. Like Australia at least have been proactive. They've been struggling at the top of the order. So they've dropped Bancroft and brought in Harris. England just seem to try and stick with what's going on, even though it's not working. Yeah. And they need to find a way to get Root back to four where he's been at his best. And the only way to do that is to move guys around if people like Bearstow won't step up. 
Um, the good news is Doe Denley got 50 in the second innings, batting with Root, batted really well. Um, it's whether he's a guy that can step up and bat at the top of the order, because he originally started as an opening batsman yeah. when he was younger. Well, so, and you guys have seemed to crack the code with your young um, bowler. Yeah, Archer is an absolute hero. He's already the fans' favourites. But, he, I mean, like, he's taking off heads, it seems like, almost oh, every, no every time he bowls. And he's, but his bounces are, like, we're not talking about, like, you they're know. They're lightning. Yeah. They're, it's a hard thing when you see a guy just ambling up. I know I said it in one of the other podcasts, and then his arm comes over, and the ball comes out of that speed. It's so hard to pick it up. It, I just, some of the Australian eyes look like saucers trying to pick this yeah. thing up. And it's not often that you can literally make a team look so poor against one yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, he, he took six wickets in the six last Six wickets in the first innings. Oh, um, first innings. Stokes struggled in the first innings, bowled better in the second, Woke struggled in the first innings. So it was pretty much Archer and Broad that did it for England in the first innings. Yeah. Um, so. But they, they've got to hope that they keep the same style of wicket and going into the next match because they they have got to capitalise on that moment. Yeah, they, they, what they will hope is that even if Smith comes back, they reckon they've probably, they will have an, at least a way of attacking yeah. and getting the wickets to break that partnership so he keeps setting. Um, but Labashain looks like a guy who could stay for the Australians, so they could probably be in a spot where they're going to make a change in the next game as well. Yeah. Um, who do you see if they if Smith comes back? Quadro, I think, is ready. He could be a guy that gets a chop or someone like Head. Um, yeah. Might struggle. I feel like Head, though, because he's a little bit more of an all-rounder. Than... Yeah, I think Head's more likely to stay, I think, than Kawaja. Kawaja's looked a bit at sea and England have always backed himself bowling at left-handers Broad's been bowling really well at the left-handers so they'll probably it could be someone like Kawaja that goes yeah um, but again for Australia this Smith injury just has found one more bloke that's yeah shows he's a proper test match batsman and he's actually good to watch speaking of Kawaja though I feel like if he gets dropped down this time it's a big wake-up call for him. Um, yeah, because he's, he's been dropped before, but he kind of came back and he had that, like, okay, I need to earn my spot back on the team. Yeah. He, you know, then had, like, two consecutive, yeah, either century or near century, yeah. and then he got injured, and I don't know if he's come back 100% since. Yeah, I think he's come back, and England's a hard place to bat. They seem to have figured out a good way to bowl at him. They're not yeah. threatened by him, but it's... England have just got to 200 now, which is, that's pretty good. Like, yeah. they're slowly, the only way they can do this now is slowly tick off each 25 to 50 runs and just, these two need to stay there. Um, I wouldn't want Butler chasing too many runs at the moment because he's been struggling. Yeah. Um, but, like, I've seen Bairstow batting for England at the Wacker in a, in a test match where he got pumped and he got a massive 100. So he has the capability to do it. And Stokes got 100 in the last game. So there are two guys there that have done it in the past. It's, it's like they can do it again, and England desperately need them to. It's, um, I think, really for you guys right now, it's whether or not. Because the Aussies, it seems like every time they kind of get on into a wicket fall, yeah. it's like it's not just a single wicket, it's yeah. two, three. We seem to fold like a deck of cards. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the English press have been talking about people like Bairstow maybe going, bringing in. Folks who had the, who was wicket keeping before when Bairstow was out, 
So Bearstow will want to get runs in this game. Watching yeah. him there driving at a ball he didn't need to in the air. Yeah, um, and he almost got caught for it as well. Yeah, that, that's not what England need to do there. He needs to just dig in and bat long. Well, staying on your tiny little island, um, yeah. you have come in tonight wearing yeah. a hell of a jersey. Yeah, I've uh, finally stopped singing Swing Low Sweet Chariot after <laughs> last night. Um, after England, England's rugby team nearly scored as many points as England's cricket team did in the first innings. They beat <laughs> Ireland 57-15 to 15 and they were 50 points up by about 60 minutes into the game. And... Um, and the yeah. Irish, like, they walked into that game thinking that this is going to be a walk in the park. They were up for the number one spot in the world if they had won yesterday. Um, and they got trounced by... It wasn't a what you'd consider probably England's first selection team. There was a few other things in there. They were experimenting again with different combinations where they played foul and forward. Um, but England showed that with their backs at the moment they've got some serious force Joe fucking a singer scored two tries the guy's an absolute beast can sometimes be found a bit defensively under a high ball in the air but when it comes to finishing tries when you're a winger that is literally the size of him he is absolutely massive I think yeah. he's probably I think he's like 6'3 to 6'4 and he is huge for a winger he's massive and Daly went over as well. It was quite nice to pump it on the uh, Irish there. How did, does this give you a little bit more hope going into the World Cup? Yeah, I, like it gives you a bit of hope as an England fan. They've looked pretty good. They struggled a bit in the Six Nations. Their tactics didn't work, but when they couldn't just bombard everyone with kicks, they were struggling. Yeah. So they beat Ireland in the Six Nations by just going out with this idea of just kicking behind the whole time. Wales defended well against it and England, England struggled and that's why they lost the Six Nations in that. But they, they seem to have found a way around it. They've been ex, experimenting with a lot of players coming in that squad, like Anthony Watson's back, which is great for them. Um, so they've got a lot of players back from injuries as well, which means their squad's looking very strong going into a World Cup now. Yeah. And for guys like Joe Cochran, Singer to come in and... Uh, be impressive as they are, it's, it shows us some depth there, which is great for them. And Ireland really struggled. They had a couple of injuries. Um, their scrum half took a collision to the head in a tackle. Um, he passed the HIA, came back on later on. Um, but with their Johnny Sexton being out, they had to play a 10 whose debut it was. And um, he did okay, yep. but England would be really happy with uh, turning over an Irish side like that. That's the heaviest defeat ever at Twickenham. Well, and for uh, because when for those that are are not totally up to speed with the way, I mean, we think England, England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland almost fall underneath the same umbrella because they're so they're so close to each other, and you don't like I didn't I didn't know for years that Wales was its own. Yeah, country. Oh, it's tiny. Yeah. Uh, because it's literally like the size of Rhode Island. Um, but when you guys really think of of having to field four teams there, there's a lot of rivalry. Yeah. And the Irish, if they can get it up over the Queen, then that's always a, a huge feather in their cap. Wales, Same with the Welsh. 
Wales and Ireland for them rugby is actually a big sport in yeah. their countries that is England has to compete with soccer as it's winter sport but for them like, the Welsh love their rugby so do the Irish um, but in, like England would be so happy to be putting on performances like that especially with guys who they've still got guys to come in that they've rested in these games um, that they could play like Watson's an unbelievable attacking talent and he wasn't playing but it's great for them to see guys like Tualagi back he's had so many injuries in the past but he is literally a beast but okay so you and you'd probably know this because uh, I'm completely <laughs> out of it but when you consider how many guys you're going to take to the World Cup yeah. you'd be feeling a squad of what 30? I think it's 30 or 32 they take Right. So, and then you've got 22 that suit up for the game? Yeah. So, do you feel... I feel like you're... What I'm hearing tonight is that you guys have enough enough depth yeah. that the eight guys that could rotate in could seam, seamlessly slip yeah. into a position and England could not miss a step. Yeah, England would be happy with... The only place we were lacking was at scrum half... Ben Youngs didn't have a great game and the only other scrum half in the squad is Willie Hines who's played a lot of premiership rugby only one international game right but he has got experience playing as it is so he would um, you wouldn't feel too bad about it and he played well when he came into the, his first game so apart from Ben Youngs being the, the one sort of weak point England it's whether they go with their foul and forward combination which they were doing for ages at 10 and 12 they can never seem to figure out what they're going to do um, but I think they've got enough depth in all the other positions well, like in the back row yeah. to be able to um, so how much longer until you guys have to make that final team I think the final team that's going has been named 32 has been named really okay um, and there's a lot of depth in it they've got a lot of key areas all covered with multiple players and the good thing is they've got their big like talisman players like Vinopolo um, Tuolagi people like that fit who are absolute beasts like Manu Tuolagi in the centres is so hard for people to stop he just makes constant line breaks and it's like trying to stop a train so after last night's win you obviously have some improved enthusiasm that you yeah. guys will make a name, at least yeah, make a I run at the World Cup. We should have a good run at the World Cup. It's always going to be hard to win it when you've got the likes of New Zealand, South Africa, but I'd say we'd definitely, like, we'd be expecting to get out of the group stages. And Do you get past the first round of knockout? Yeah, I'd back us to be semi-finals, at least. All right, so you heard it here first. Simon's calling. And it's semis. We- get to hand it to the Wallabies at some point during that I'd love it as well I'm still backing my All Blacks to make That's the final two teams <laughs> uh, but I, I, regardless I was always going to support the All Blacks so I mean I, I think the I hope the Aussies make it out of the first well I, I know they'll make it out of the group stages yeah I don't have a whole lot of hope that they're going to really do well out of the um, knockout stages I would yeah. like to see them get at least a couple games in there but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, but from all of us, and thank you again to the Greenwood Hotel. Um, we bid you guys farewell, and 
See you guys next time. Thank you.